All right, uh, welcome back to the Midday Conversation. As I said, my name is Vusi Maupa and uh, we are now in the selling point uh, put together by our spectacular producer, Sabelo Makubo. Uh, we yes we do always look out for inspiring entrepreneurs across uh, the globe and really talk to them uh, about the great work they do. Um, this week is not different, of course. We're talking to one of the entrepreneurs. Uh, we're going to introduce you uh, to 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 him right now. Uh, but before we do, uh, just a bit about his company. It's called Ubuntu Hub. <laughs> How ironic that Ubuntu Hub uh, is connected on Ubuntu Radio. Um, Ubuntu Hub is a groundbreaking initiative that uh, uh, developed by the Ubuntu Education, which is dedicated to empowering educators across the African continent with a comprehensive professional development opportunities and a vibrant networking platform. This hub is aimed at bridging the gap between innovation and learners by focusing on the pivotal or pivotal role of educators in driving educational transformation <coughs> by facilitating collaborations, ideas, exchange, support, and creating a sense of unity and collective responsibility. So this is a bit about Ubuntu education, but just one more thing that we it's worth mentioning to you is that this um, education uh, facility, it empowers educators through um, the comprehensive professional development, uh, job opportunities, school improvement strategies, and a networking platform. And the approach is deeply rooted in the decolonization or decolonization and guided by African education research. I think that's the crux of it, um, really, what this platform thrives to do and what it makes it much more distinct uh, more than uh, many other um, educational platforms that you may have. And joining us on the line, of course, is the owner, I think is the CEO uh, and the founder, a founding partner of Ubuntu Education, that's David uh, Marriott. Uh, is a highly experienced educational professional renowned for his expertise in developing effective schools, empowering educators, and implementing a holistic school improvement strategies. David boosts over 15 years of experience in education. And as I said, he's a founder, a founder and a CEO, a founding partner and the CEO of this uh, beautiful initiative that um, they do have. That is Mr. David Marriott that we have on the line today. David, uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, welcome to The Selling Point. Yeah, thank you very much, Buzi. It's great to be here. Um, and thank you for that uh, glowing description of Ubuntu Hub. Yeah. Ah, thank you. I said earlier on uh, that uh, how ironic that you are on Ubuntu Radio and you're talking about Ubuntu Hub. Is there something you want to tell us? <laughs> I I think it is quite ironic. It was quite. It made me smile when I was uh, invited to talk on Ubuntu Radio. Um, and of course, I'm sure that because we both have the same name, we both have the same principles at heart. Um, I, you know, Ubuntu is really the, the whole philosophy of Ubuntu sits right at the heart of of our company. Um, it's about growing together. It's about uh, moving forward together. And, you know, I am because you are. So just that whole sense of community is really sits at the base of our business. Right. And and uh, look, I think it's uh, if before we go more into details about this, um, the Ubuntu education, I understand it pursues a more, like you said, the word suggests the Afrocentric reconstitution of the education system by placing uh, education educators at the center of of what it does, uh, almost as to say if the educator is empowered by the system, uh, is empowered, gets empowered. Would I be wrong in assuming that? 
No, not at all. Uh, I think teaching is, a, or education is a funny profession. Um, it, it's probably the, well, one of the only professions where everybody has some experience in education. We've all been to school. We've all uh, had good and bad teachers. We've all um, we've all had children and sent them to school. Mm-hmm. So we all we all feel like we have a vested interest and also a degree of knowledge about education. But sadly, I think it's our experience that a lot of the ideas that uh, push education forward come from outside of the profession. Um, so from policymakers and that sort of thing, uh, as opposed to actually listening to the teachers on the ground who, who know their kids and know what their kids need and indeed know how to teach those kids. So, so our, our, our idea is really that we want to extract that knowledge or already capitalize on that knowledge that comes from teachers hmm. and share that knowledge as widely as we can in Africa. That's, that's great, man. And that, you, you sort of went into an up, unpopular line of how you thought about education. You speak about decolonization of education. You speak about Afrocentric. Why, why did you pursue this line of, 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 of business model? It's, it is in, it's interesting. It's, it, it can be controversial if viewed in a different way or viewed in perhaps the wrong way. Um, really, what, what, we re, what we really need to recognize in, uh, in Africa is that many of the systems that exist in Africa, if not all of them, have been established on um, colonial models, uh, or many of them have been established on colonial models of education. So in other words, um, you know, schools are, are built in a way that uh, with an idea of what happened, how schools were effective in the West or the global North. Um, and, and this doesn't always apply and doesn't always meet the needs of, of uh, the African population. Right. Uh, and the reason I say that is there's two, there's two different ideologies that we're talking about here. One is sort of an individualistic ideology, which is commonly associated with the global North. And then we have the uh, ideology of communalism, which is very strongly associated with uh, many cultures in Africa. And and right at the heart of education, we have these two conflicting ideologies. And really, the, the idea behind pursuing a decolonized model of education is really to, to take, um, is to not throw the baby out of the bathwater at all, but to take what's the best the best elements that really work for our children in Africa, mm. but then also bring in elements of or cultural elements that are more that are more appropriate as reference points for children in Africa, and try to create an education system that really comes from within, that is relevant and contextualized to kids in Africa. And this this is not necessarily only in Africa. This is really what should happen with education systems all over the world. Education needs to be appropriate for. Uh, the culture and the society and the reference that the people uh, have that are being educated. Correct. And and the, you speak about the global north, and um, you know you, you you come with a mixture of understanding education, uh, both from the global north and the global south. If the if there's such a description, um, you you spent as if we try to get a little bit more of who David is. You spent some time as an educator in the UK, uh, that's the United Kingdom, and Malawi, which is in Africa. How did that experience of the two of the shifts between the two education systems uh, contribute uh, in you um, coming up with this great initiative that you have, Ubuntu Education, to be precise? 
Um, well, I've, I've actually got quite a, an interesting history in education altogether. I was, I was educated in South Africa. Um, I did all my schooling in South Africa. I did all my, well, much of my university education in South Africa as well. So I had that as a kind of starting point, if you like. And then yeah. I, uh, when I moved over to the UK, I wasn't actually a trained teacher. I actually trained as a teacher while, while I was in the UK. Um, and this was about 17 years ago now. And um, at that point, I was sort of geared around delivering an education uh, that was suitable for, for kids in the UK. Um, and after a few years teaching here, I moved over to, I moved over to, um, uh, to Malawi, where I was the head at an international school there. Uh, and the international school was a very interesting setting because uh, we had total autonomy over, over what we did mm. and, and how we did it. Um, and we had, even though it was an international school, we had approximately 70% of our, uh, of the kids at, at my school were Malawians. Um, and, and over the time I was, I was leading that school, I observed many differences between how children from Malawi engaged with, uh, with education in comparison to how children in the UK engage with education. And there are many similarities, of course, but that sense of, that sense of, uh, deference, I suppose, in, in education, that, that respect that uh, many Malawian children have for, for being educated, um, and just, just the way that, that, children, uh, that children engage with each other was, was quite different. I'll give you a small example, and this wasn't from my school. This was a school I, I recently did a bit of work in. Yeah. We, did a, we, we were running a workshop on um, just analyzing the school, where it's at, like the strengths and weaknesses and that kind of thing. And we did a little activity um with the kids uh, at at the school now this right. is a this is a government school in zambia so very uh poorly resourced um you know government state education um but the kids very enthusiastic about education we did this activity which was to do with teamwork where people have to work together to achieve a certain task now every single time i've done this activity with children from other schools all over the you know all over you know in england as well as in africa uh where there's more sort of um uh, western western or global north style education the activity goes it's really funny because they can't quite get it together and so there's a lot of laughing and a lot of uh, antics around the activity and the and the idea is to illustrate teamwork and working together yeah. Now, when we did this activity in the school in Zambia, it, it totally threw the activity all off because the, the children were so good at working together that, that it wasn't even a challenge for them. They oh. hardly spoke to each other, yet they could achieve the task just by knowing what their peers were doing. Mm. And um, so the, the activity fell flat because part of the activity is the fun of seeing how people can't really work together very easily. Um so that, that's a real difference that I've observed, uh, you know, in, in a cultural difference that I've observed between students in Africa and, and, and students elsewhere in the world. Um, and I think that just goes to illustrate that these, these differences are significant. You, you speak about the uh, autonomy. I think it's uh, absolute, absolute autonomy that you had in the schools mm-hmm. in Malawi. What does that mean? Well, we were, it was an international school, so we weren't subject, we, we delivered uh, uh, the British curriculum, that was the curriculum of the school, as many sort of private schools do have uh, sure. all, over, all over the African continent. Um, uh, and we weren't subject to any um, 
how can I say, sort of inspection bodies that would determine how we did things. So there was no overarching authority that said, okay, you're a school, you have to deliver things in this way. We just had the curriculum which we delivered, but we could structure the way we delivered it um, with absolute autonomy. So we, so we had a great deal of creativity at our fingertips, which made the school really vibrant and really fun for the kids. And we could actually adapt um, how we did things so that the, the kids that we were teaching were actually able to access it in the way that they felt most comfortable accessing it. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's quite a complex process, I guess. But really, what we, we, we could choose how we delivered things. And, uh, and we did that to great effect by simply observing the kind of contextual relevance of the, of the, of the curriculum as it applied in that school in Malawi. That's quite fascinating. I think we need more of those. Um, more creativity could come, as you say. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, our our education system. It's, it's something that they need. We need something that gives kids that kind of autonomy and makes them more creative more than uh, anything else. And uh, thanks for, for that great initiative, David. We're going to take a quick break, go to the markets, and when we, we come back, uh, we'll continue this conversation with David. Um, David is joining us on the line, and he is the CEO and founding member of Ubuntu Education, and this is the midday conversation, The Selling Point. I'm Vusi Mauba. Wouldn't you like to explore a country where two worlds intersect, where first world infrastructure meets an emerging market, where diversity is celebrated through its people and its sectors, where one of the most powerful economies in Africa embraces new opportunities, where science and technology enjoy rapid advancement, a land where innovation creates a dynamic environment for growth. The world's leader in mining and minerals, with nearly 90% of all the platinum metals on Earth and around 41% of all the world's gold. Home to 11 Nobel Peace Prize winners. And with the most UNESCO World Heritage Sites in Africa. It is one of only two countries in the world to have hosted three different World Cups, where a market of almost 60 million people provide you with the perfect springboard to access a continent of 1.3 billion people. It's where the impossible is made possible. Welcome to South Africa, a land of endless possibilities, a truly inspiring country. Welcome to the future. Invest in South Africa. Powered by Brand South Africa. You are still tuned to Ubuntu Radio. Uh, that's, uh, I think, South Africa's public diplomacy in action. And thank you for staying with us. If you are joining us online, uh, that's www.ubuntu.com. Thank you so much. And if you're joining us on the DSTV channel, triple eight, you are more than welcome. And David is still with us uh, on the line. If you just joined us now, uh, we're talking to the CEO and the founding partner of Ubuntu Education. Uh, we're talking amazing initiative that they are leading there. Uh, some of the things that you mentioned about how creative uh, some of the schools that he's been part of uh, have been, uh, in particular the school that he went through uh, in Malawi. Uh, that's what we just spoke about. And uh, David, I think some part of your offering, it's something that you call a CPD, a Certification and a Digital Transformation, uh, an Emerging Leader Pathway for the Teacher Leader. Uh, it's a bit mouthful, but you want to tell us a bit about this and maybe um, share with us some uh, somewhat uh, 
some of the positive effects of educators following these pathways? Well, Fuzzy, the one of the big um, gaps that that exist in uh, in education in Africa is, um, and indeed in many parts of the world, as I keep saying, but is is this leadership gap? The idea of of leadership as a concept within a school. So what what we've done is create these leadership pathways to in in, in an effort to try and develop leaders or people with leadership skills within schools, right? Because schools are such complex. Um, organizations you've got many stakeholders you know from boards of governors to parents to students to uh, the parents and everybody has a and of course the staff but everybody has their own view of how things should be done and um and so there's so many things if if you are able to bring creativity into your school there's so many things that you can do but if you've only got one person leading the school at the top there's no ways that that person can actually lead so many different initiatives to provide a rich education for the children. So the idea about growing leadership skills within schools and developing leaders within schools mm. provides schools with that opportunity to give initiatives over to individual members of staff to lead um, and, to take, and to take initiatives themselves and to actually head those up and lead those themselves. And, and what this does is it, crea- it has the effect of, um, the school becoming a very, very diverse or having a very diverse offering to the children or to the students. Um, I'll give you an example. If, if, if I was a head teacher again, I, and I was only, and I was the only one to lead every single initiative in a, in a school. Yeah. And you talked about digital transformation, which is of course, one of the things that we, we focus quite heavily on. But um, if I, if I was tasked with leading a digital transformation initiative at a school, I wouldn't really know where to start because my skill set doesn't uh, allow me to do that, really. It, is, it isn't good enough in that area. Um, but if I had a member of staff who had already empowered with leadership skills and the ability to lead an initiative and the ability to take something forward, yeah. and that person had those skills to be able to lead a digital transformation of the school, mm-hmm. then they could go ahead and do it. So it all comes down to that development of leaders within education, even though they don't necessarily hold positions, but it's about providing the skill sets for people within a school to take on those initiatives and, and really grow the school in a, in a multitude of different ways. How beautiful the world can be if uh, that empowerment trickled down even to um, public schools, David. I think that's uh, that kind of leadership empowerment uh, where you don't have power centralized in one individual, but uh, have the whole team kind of empowered. Uh, I think that's uh, in as far as digital transformation, that's what we most need now uh, than ever before. Uh, David, I want to talk about the exciting new hub that Ubuntu Education has launched. Um, Ubuntu, of course, is the first ed tech company to actively grow African education communities as a tool for development. What is Ubuntu Hub and uh, uh, this kind of initiative that you've started and how does it fit into into the puzzle? So the Ubuntu Hub is, is really our way of, of creating a pan-African community of educators. Um, the hub is a place where, um, well, first of all, let me talk about a little bit about the pain points that teachers have. Sure. Uh, so, did, so, did you say the pain the, point or paying point? pa- pain points? Pain points. So, in other words, right. the, the areas which are, are preventing 
individuals or individual teachers from progressing in their career or from, from developing themselves as professionals. There are a few things. The first is, of course, um, limited professional development opportunities because a lot of the professional development opportunities that are available to educators Absolutely. are either too expensive or they're unavailable or, or, or they, in fact, not decolonized, so they're not really relevant. Hmm. That's the one thing. The second thing is, of course, networking. Now, networking is really important for teachers because um, as things stand in in many contexts in Africa is that schools tend to operate as islands. They don't, hmm. you know, teachers within a school will communicate with each other and they'll talk to each other, you know, at break time or, or after school or whatever the case is. But it's very rare that they actually get to, to meet teachers and to talk with teachers about education from other schools or indeed from other countries or regions. Mm. So, and, and, and one of, I always say that uh, teachers are the biggest magpies in, in the professional world. In other words, teachers love to take ideas from other people and, and embed them in their own practice yeah. and share that. They love sharing the, the ideas that they have, like something goes really well. They want to share that. Now, um, if you can only do that within your own staff room, this, your school never progresses beyond the body of knowledge that exists within that school. Whereas if you open the network up for teachers, you actually get those uh, you get those cross pollination that cross pollination effect between schools and between regions. Yes. Then the third, the another thing that stands in the way of of teachers actually developing their career is accessing jobs or finding jobs that really suit them. So finding a school where they would feel really at home, you know, in terms of their personal values being in line with the school's values, and. The job hunting world, in in our experience anyway, the job hunting world in many parts of Africa is very, um, uh, it's sporadic or erratic, if you like. So jobs from schools will be advertised in the newspaper, for example, yeah. and not everybody reads the newspaper. Particularly younger members of staff on, you know, don't necessarily read newspapers, or they might be advertised to a parents group on a WhatsApp group or something like that. So. Uh, you know, and, and and occasionally teaching jobs will be advertised in in a in a very very broad uh, job um, job board for for a country, for example. So there's in Rwanda, for example, there's a there's a website called Jobs in Rwanda, and and all sorts of jobs go will pop up there from all sorts of different industries. Um, so it's difficult to sift through all of those and find those jobs. Mm. So so the hub is really there to solve these challenges for teachers. It's there as a meeting point for people to network. Um, it's there for them to access information which is relevant to to the African context. So, so it's got articles and podcasts and that sort of thing on the hub. Um, it's also got access to a jobs board, which is only for uh, schools and educators in Africa or people seeking to work in Africa. Um, and it's it's of course got lots of it works a bit like a social media site where it's got lots of chat spaces and that sort of thing, and then of course there's you know professional development opportunities for people on there which are made affordable. We you know we've done it to be affordable for people so they can actually develop their leadership skills. Mm -hmm. They can actually develop their professional um, CVs if you like uh, by going through some of the the opportunities that we have there. So really the hub is just about trying to get. Um, educators to be in one place, to communicate with each other, to learn from each other, uh, to share resources and to share experiences with each other. And um, yeah, I mean, our strap line is your career in your pocket. So it's, 
it's a bit like that for for teachers and that's the, the idea really is to make a big impact on the teaching profession um in africa we're going to talk later when we close about how to access the hub but i want to i want to find out from you is this a platform um accessible to the mainstream um or the teachers at the mainstream schools both public and private or is uh, uh, you know exclusive to to um a certain sector of the teachers and also um is it available in different countries including south africa yes it's widely it's widely it's available to any teacher um in fact it's an, it's available to anybody but i'm 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 sure if you're a doctor you wouldn't find much interest or or a reason to be on there but <laughs> yeah. but it's available to any teacher regardless of where they teach um and and the idea behind that really is so that you know to try and encourage the flow of teachers between the state and the private sector um because teachers you get good teachers in state schools you get good teachers in private schools and there's no reason why those two sectors shouldn't be more interlinked if you like when it comes to professional skills and is it free or do they have to uh, pay? yes it's it's free to it's free to uh, it's free to get on and a lot of the stuff that we have on there is free as well um of course we also have uh, sort of premium premium memberships to or access to certain to certain levels of the hub as well where there's a small subscription but it like i said it's been made very affordable um for people to to be able to access because we we want to get as many people um onto the hub as possible and there's something like about 6 million teachers in sub-saharan africa and how many um, of those have you had so, do you have so far in the app well we we launched it uh we've only had a very small marketing campaign we we within three weeks we had 2000 people sign up yeah um and at that point we've we've just kind of um not pushed the marketing forward because we've been developing these more advanced products um which we then launched last week um so so i can let you know what numbers uh, look like when we start progressing uh, when we start marketing again but yeah we it, it's got a huge there's a huge appetite for it shall i say definitely 2000 people going up uh, signing on within 3 weeks was quite uh, it was extraordinary it was way more than we thought we would have yeah um so so we wait and see but the, we we want to offer as much of it as uh, to people as free uh, as possible um just to encourage encourage a big audience the bigger the audience the bigger the the knowledge spread you know and the bigger the knowledge growth oh definitely that's that's quite appetizing i mean i'm not a teacher but i'm thinking about should i join or not and they're talking about that um not only teachers or educators can collaborate on this platform do you do you, is it open to other collaborators that are in the education space uh, to get on this uh, platform Absolutely. In fact, um we have uh, we we're working with some some uh, groups of people, some um people in other areas in the education space. So for example, we're working with some academics who're doing research in education and we're actually publishing we're going to be publishing their work on the space as well. So it's it's taking research that's done in Africa so it's contextually relevant and and pushing that information straight to the teachers. So instead of because what typically would happen with that that sort of information um is that it gets synthesized in an academic document and then that might go through to policymakers it sits for ages going around it might eventually some of it might eventually become part of policy yeah. and it takes an awfully long time to drip down to the teachers by which time 
it might be out of date or it might be irrelevant or even if it is still relevant it's probably delivered or many times it will be delivered in quite a dry fashion so mm. so we're working with these guys to to actually take this research and and put it straight in front of the teachers so we could say hey guys you know you know what's working this is what the research is in ghana um and uh and and this is working in schools in ghana well this is working in schools in south africa uh so the teachers are getting that ready flow of information you also asked about the countries that it's uh, available in it's it, it's available across um sub-saharan africa i mean anybody anybody uh, you know would find it applicable in sub-saharan africa really because the information is coming from all over we've already got teachers that have signed on from 10 different countries um so it's 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 really a broad brush um and people can pick and choose the information or or pick and choose how they interact with it to who they interact with etc yeah, yeah. i think this is something that uh, you, you need to and tell me if i'm wrong but um it would be great if um uh, it gets collaboration with um mm. you know the local uh education authorities uh those include your your government both at the national regional and the local level. And I'm just not sure if do, do you guys get support when it comes to that. It's In fact, it's it's funny you should ask that. It is growing. Um, we've got a few uh, sort of warm leads to get into uh, uh, governments, into discussions with government officials about it, um, particularly in, uh, in Rwanda and in Malawi so far. Um, and, yeah, ultimately, the, the sort of the long... We're only just starting out on this but the long-term business plan really is to engage governments at a, at a higher level so that we can become a platform where which can benefit uh the government you know the government's educational um direction as well as as the teachers within their country so so we are moving in that direction of course we're not there yet but uh, apart from a few warm leads but yeah it, it will it will happen in that direction Thank you so much, uh, David, for that. Uh, and in closing, David, we'd like to do a very quick quiz with you and you let us know your thoughts, especially that you are in the technology field and, uh, you know, in the, in the education in particular. Um, David, when you look at things and in your views, and I need a scale of um, out of 10, one uh, being um, uh, very bad and uh, 10 being um, extremely good or you know excellent uh, whichever way you, you you know excellent could be uh, you know, uh, something that is great right so yeah. on the outlook of of of, um, of ease of doing business in Africa on the scale of uh, one to ten um, I, I I actually think that it's probably about a six mm. um, six or a seven I would say. Now, That's there's certainly a huge thirst for doing education in Africa, uh, for doing a business like this in Africa. There's there's, there's a huge appetite for it. Yeah. What stands in the way of it is is finance, um, and it, we know that the the levels of affordability in African many African contexts are, are not as high as they are in the global north. Um, but we, yeah. So, and and the other thing is that there's there's a, a trust. Um, I suppose there's a there's a there's a level of trust that needs to be built up in new products. So people yes. are quite traditional; they tend to be quite traditional in Africa. So new things that come along take a little bit of time to build up that kind of brand awareness or that kind of awareness of trust, if you like. Yeah. Um, 
But what stands in, 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 in favor of something like this uh, in Africa or doing business in Africa is there is a real thirst. And you just don't see that in the global north. There's a real energy uh, about the, you know, in our experience of the people that we've met in education in Africa, uh, wanting really to drive things forward, wanting really to ach achieve things. So the will is there. Sometimes the means aren't quite there yet, but, but they're coming. So that's why I'd say a six or a seven. Great stuff. We are almost out of time, but quickly, um, outlook of digital transformation for small businesses like yours in South Africa? Oh, uh, I would give that an eight or a nine. Mm. Um, because, uh, you know, where you've got systems that are so heavily in, uh, entrenched in, in traditional ways of doing things. So oh, yeah. I'm talking now about... Uh, global north countries places like the uk where people have become so systemized and so uh, used to doing certain systems and the systems are actually entrenched so deeply into organizations yeah it's far more difficult to change those whereas where you find uh, there's an appetite for for for, prog for progress and maybe the systems aren't really working there's a lot more energy that that people are uh, into um you know to progress to progress and actually so i would i would put that score quite high at an eight or a nine wow. uh and the levels of <laughs> and as as data becomes cheaper as more people get uh smartphones and and that sort of thing the the the, the take up of of digital tools will be rapid in africa i'm absolutely convinced of that most definitely. I like the optimism that you have and uh, we're so looking forward to that becoming a reality. You certainly do need uh, that kind of an improvement in how we interact with technology, especially businesses uh, in your space, David. Um, and what, those that want to access the hub, how do they go about? And also uh, those that want to interact with you, how do they go about that? Um, well, you can interact with me directly on the hub because there's a DM function on there. Oh. Um, but to get into the hub, the, the best way to do it is to go to our website and actually go onto the hub from there. And right. the website is www.ubuntu.education. Um, in fact, it, the hub is one aspect of our business, but it also gives you it gives you a lot more detail about our ethos and our kind of way of operating, who we are. You know, it's a it's a it's a nice site and um, and it showcases a lot of the, the exciting stuff that we're doing. So I would I would suggest people go to the website, which is www.ubuntu.education and um, and have a look around there and then sign up to the hub if they want to, which is which is one that has its own page there. Um, yeah. And you follow your nose, really. That is www. That's www.ubuntu.education. Don't make a mistake and say Ubuntu Radio.education. It's just yeah. www.ubuntu.education. Uh, thank you so much, David. It's so great to have you to chat with us uh, today. Uh, it's been fantastic. Thanks very much for having me, Buzi. And uh, I, I'm sure we'll cross paths again, given that we've got the same name. <laughs> Definitely will do. You're most welcome, sir. And keep well. Bye. Thank you, Buzi. That was uh, David Marriott, the founding partner of Ubuntu Education, and he's the CEO of uh, the initiative. Great stuff they're doing there at Ubuntu Education. Please go and check them out on ubuntu.education. Uh, that is www.ubuntu.education and learn more about what they do, especially if you are a teacher or in the space of education. That's something that you could definitely profit from, given what uh, we just heard from uh, David uh, there.